0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Dan Fernandez. Hey, how's it going? Now, are you Uh, still working for Microsoft?
1: uh, I am. I am a principal group program manager, which uh, means I'm, uh, I don't know what I am, a paper shuffler right now, but uh, (laughs) that is uh, my official title.
0: Nice. And I think we met at a Microsoft Connect, if I remember. Yeah, that. a
1: couple of years ago. That's right. We yeah. were just starting our, our journey towards uh, reimagining uh, docs on Microsoft.com. Since then, we've launched uh, Microsoft Learn, kind of a, a new thing that has a bunch of things that we tried to do to really enable uh, interactive learning via the web that, that we can talk about as well.
0: Nice. Yeah. Now, that was in New York City. Are you from New York or are you from Washington no. or somewhere else?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually based in uh, Redmond, Washington, uh, uh, you know, we say Seattle, um, right. uh, but Microsoft headquarters. So uh, I go out to uh, events every now and then, probably a couple times a year to to either speak at conferences or meet with customers and things like that.
0: Gotcha. Sounds yeah. good. You're going to make it out to Microsoft Build or is that less Yeah.
1: Than- Yeah, I think the hard part about it is it's actually nicer to go to conferences when they're not in your home city. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, because it's like, well, you're going to make it home for dinner and you got to pick up the kids from here and all of that stuff. When you're away, you can just kind of focus on the conference as opposed to all the other things that you have to do in in your real real life.
0: Yeah, I went to a conference last week. It was a Ruby conference up in Salt Lake City. And yeah, I was getting texts from my wife. So are you going to be here for dinner? Yeah, yeah. Right? And I'm like I dunno.
1: Yeah. It's it's tough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the other conferences are not here. And so yeah. It's just okay, I'm gonna call you on FaceTime and after a half hour everybody's done and you know, I can get on with whatever I'm gonna do here. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely more sense. convenient. Cool. So yeah, so you're still doing learning and documentation over there?
1: Yeah, yeah, really kind of uh, think about kind of the future of uh, website experiences for those things, uh, including some of the work that we're looking at for how do we just basically help uh, um, communities collaborate, which is some of the other stuff that that we're just starting to look at.
0: Cool. Well, I think we're going to dive into that a little bit later. Sure. But, but to start out with, uh, generally, yeah, we kind of do the catching up bit and then we we get into your story, sure. um, getting into code and things like that. So. Um yeah, let, let's roll back a bit and talk about how you got into code.
1: Yeah, um, I, as, as a kid, uh, I started programming. I actually went to a programming camp doing a, a basic, um, you know, and I was kind of hooked. I was like, this is so cool. Just doing basic programming and copy pasting code, um, which I still do. Uh, out of books, like, hey, here's how you do this, here's how you do that, and really basic uh, uh, graphics. So um, one thing that I remember was, I think it was in high school, um, I started sending, um, I found out how to basically write to the network printer and, you know, I was sending, like, insults to a friend, uh, but in a in a go-to loop. <laughs> so the teacher had nice. no idea what was going on. She assumed, like, the thing was hacked, and, and like, she, you know, kept trying to figure out what was going on. Um, uh, I got an, uh, I got sent to the assistant principal's office, and it was me and a friend. And he was a guy from uh, classic New York guys, like, all right, so which one of you did it? And my friend, of course, knowing that it was me, just, just broke. He's like, he did it. He did it. He did it. And he's like, okay, you can leave. And he gets me, uh, you know, I'm basically in his room and I'm terrified. Right. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like my mom's going to freak out. And he's like, I want you to learn one thing. Never rat on your friends. And that's all he said. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God, that's hilarious. This is like gangster guy. And he let me go after basically saying, you know, don't do that again. And I was like, it was like, computers are really powerful. I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this. So, uh, you know, I went to University of Maryland, then uh, University of Miami, got a a CIS degree uh, there. And, you know, web was just taking off in around 97. And I became the webmaster for uh, 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 the University of Miami Roller Hockey Club. So uh, I was using Front Page at the time. I uh, did my, uh, I think that's my first official JavaScript, where uh, I had a JavaScript array for images, and on hover, I would swap the images, and it was so cool. People were like, wow, this is a great website, and, you know, that those sort of fun stuff uh, for there. So um, that, I think, would be my official first JavaScript that I
0: wrote. Very cool. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's interesting, too. Um, I've talked to a lot of people that have gotten in as, as younger people. It's like, Oh yeah, computers. Right. And, and that kind of carried them through. I mean, for me, it was electronics and then, Mm. you know, uh, in, in college I got much more serious about computers. Uh, Right. But yeah, you know, it's, there are so many ways to come in and it's just so interesting to see how, you know, all of that kind of carries through as you, as you learn stuff and yeah, the go-to loop I remember (laughs) writing some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Uh, so.
1: uh, Yeah, so I mean, in college, it was just kind of interesting because we took some classes for things like COBOL, right? Which was like just the opposite of, you You must be
0: older than I am.
1: 1998, I graduated. So yeah, so I mean.
0: From high school. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) 1998 is college. Yeah, so. um, uh, uh, So, but I got an internship at Pratt & Whitney doing their intranet which really helped me get kind of basic web page editing. And I think, honestly, the hardest part, and I still hear this from a number of people that I mentor, is getting that first job. Like the second you can kind of have that hands-on experience with that first job, it just makes everything that much easier. So once I had that, um, uh, I worked for uh, uh, IBM after graduating uh, college, Um, uh, went into their consulting services, and uh, did the. this was during the Y2K days so we were working for the district of columbia government um and just to give you an example the district of columbia government was so behind in y2k they actually had a 60 minutes episode talking about the state of Maryland, which is right next door and how perfectly prepared they were and how the District of Columbia had done basically nothing. So uh, uh, it's funny because I still show up in B-roll when they're like doing the loops of people working on the product. There's like me me, and our team <laughs> uh, working nice. on stuff. Yeah, so um, we did a bunch of web pages and at the time, things like using MapQuest and JavaScript. And it was funny because they said, Mapquest. you can't have any, yeah anything dynamic. So we had to dynamically load then uh, almost like a preprocessor you do today, save, literally save the image for each mapquest area for the maps, uh, save uh, dynamic charts from Excel as JPEGs, and then move them all over. So um, just to make sure there's no kind of security issues or anything else. Wow. So yeah, so um, uh, that was fun, and then uh, you know you get to work on a bunch of other projects. So SonyStyle.com. Was uh, Sony Electronics their first entry into like direct to consumer purchasing for their website? You know, this was on like CNET when it first came out and stuff like that. And um, you know, I think I'm pretty sure it still exists today. But you know, we were working on things from everything on the JavaScript side to dynamic menus to pricing wizards and things like that. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, PriceDrive.com, which is a, a now dead startup which uh, uh, was trying to basically be a reseller for cars. So if you go to a Ford dealership and you bring a Toyota, the Ford mm-hmm. dealership doesn't want to buy the Toyota, but what they'll do is just resell it to another Toyota dealership, right? right? So it's like dealer to dealer. Hey, look, this person wants to go in. I don't want them to walk away. Will you buy this car? Um, uh, and that's where I think we started to see things like, uh, and it, uh, we did, uh, I remember coding, it was the dynamic JavaScript arrays using an API where you send in Ford and then based on that uh, array size, it'll tell you, is there Ford, Explorer, Expedition, and Mustang? Right. And, you know, dynamically change the list. You know, if you hit Toyota, you'd see uh, Camry and Corolla and so on. And then the trim of vehicle to, to give you kind of Blue Book, Kelly Blue Book value for all that stuff, all using kind of JavaScript uh, at the time, which was kind of killer. And then making it work on a compact iPad. Which was kind of the first mobile <laughs> uh, uh, web app and web <laughs> development, using like uh, uh one of those portable cards. It was like this thick, uh, uh that's uh-huh. about an inch and a half thick um stuff, but it but it did actually work. I think the hard part was we also had to build WML pages, which were for like, you know, the Nokia T9 pages. And, right. and that that was painful, but um uh uh you know, we, we kind of got through it. So um
0: it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm a little curious, you know, JavaScript yeah. back at, at that time. Um, you know, we're talking what early 2000s.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Early 2000s.
0: So, um, I mean, I remember, so I, I got into web development around 2003 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and JavaScript was extremely painful. Like I never would have thought that I would say that I, I did JavaScript, let alone that I enjoyed doing JavaScript, right? Um, Right. Was that kind of the mindset for you or were you really kind of digging what you were doing there?
1: Um, So I think to this day, there's kind of this love-hate relationship with JavaScript, right? You're like, when it works, it's fantastic. And when things are going wrong, I think that it's really hard. The early days, the hardest part was, um, you know, uh, and and again, I sound like the old fogey. Kids these days are spoiled with debuggers. And even (laughs) just... uh, like the browser having browser dev tools, you know, whether it's changing things in the DOM or changing CSS styles or um, You know that stuff. It was just painful where you'd kind of have to uh, uh, Alert your way to freedom, right? So it's like a dialog box. I okay. I'm inside this thing But this thing is null. Why is this thing? null? I have no idea um, uh, So I think that was just kind of a, a, a painful thing and um uh, JavaScript reuse just really didn't happen. It was it was very much a copy-paste world. Uh, frameworks, um, you know, I don't really remember a ton of frameworks at that time. jQuery became popular probably a little after that uh, for all the things that that we wanted uh, um, a modern thing to do. And now you look at it and people are like, oh, you're still using jQuery. And different teams are, are actively moving away from jQuery. Um, yeah. uh, so, uh, but, you know, I think that's the other thing, which is, if you're a JavaScript developer, the skills you learn today can do basically anything, whether you're talking React Native or, I mean, if you look at Electron apps, right? Yeah. So uh, Skype, is, uh, Visual Studio Code, uh, Slack are all Electron JavaScript apps. Um, those are things that we wouldn't have thought of before as, as kind of a JavaScript. So learning kind of those fundamentals help build the way forward for that.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. It's funny, uh, you said the still using JavaScript I've gotten that a couple of times, or still using jQuery. jQuery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten that a few times because, you know, I'll just throw together an app and I'll just drop jQuery in it because I don't want to build the infrastructure to run Angular or React on it. Right. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and I get the, you're still using jQuery? And my answer is, yep, and it still works.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Even Bootstrap, the latest version that they're going to come out with, Mm -hmm. Bootstrap 5, like they, one of the explicit design decisions and why it's taking so long is because they're moving away from uh, using jQuery. Yeah. So, and people are like, dude, if it works, uh, but I mean, there are things that you'd say, I, I love, you know, being able to do really simple selectors <laughs> in jQuery. Uh, so there's yep. been some libraries that people basically built, hey, just the selectors from jQuery uh, to make things easier. So, um, yeah. you know, to each his own, but sometimes if things work, it it, it works.
0: Yeah, well, the other thing is, is that I have found very few collisions between jQuery and something like Vue or Angular. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, it's like, well, you know, there's this nice feature that gets pulled in and yeah, it has to load jQuery or part of jQuery. And, you know, in the end, it, it it's fine. But at the same time, I mean, some of the power you get out of some of those frameworks is just like, holy crap, where was this 10 years ago, <laughs> right?
1: Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, you always see kind of an ebb and flow. Uh, a lot of times people use JavaScript because CSS just basically sucked, right? At the time. Now CSS is so yeah. mature.
0: It's getting um, so much better. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So people are like, Hey, I have CSS grid, you know, I have uh, uh, controls, uh, but then you see another side of people who are like, everything should be a JavaScript component, even CSS for JavaScript, um, but, uh, or just simple things like Sass. SAS really didn't exist. And what it meant was just the amount of duplication that you had for just, I mean, the classic one was just like a color that you're using on multiple pages. It's just copied everywhere. So, uh, yeah. you know, you would <laughs> uh, 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 control, find, replacing yourself all the time. So uh, again, it's just kind of that, that's spoiling, it. And that's a probably good example where it can still, it's kind of built for growing up. In other words, uh, the new SCSS, can have just regular CSS in it, right. and then have variables as well. And that's probably a good example, as opposed to some of the uh, newer features where it really is stop what you're doing and there's no path forward, if you will.
0: Yeah. Now I, I kind of want to get back to your story a bit. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I kind of led us into that tangent a little myself, so <laughs>
1: yeah. Anyway. So, um, uh, so after that, I started working at Microsoft um, uh, because our dot the dot com I was working at a company called the Intensity was doubling every quarter and then it basically started to uh go da- so that's like from like 25 50 100 200 400 it had awesome benefits like you got uh uh 400 for uh, a car payment uh, uh access to a beach house ski house you know the on like the classic dot wow. com startup
0: right? yeah
1: um but it started to nosedive right so uh uh My manager at the time went to go uh, interview for Microsoft. I did as well. I got a job working in uh, uh, DC uh, out of the local field office uh, for Visual Studio, BizTalk, and SQL Server. And at the time, it then became uh, what were called developer evangelists, which was, hey, how do we kind of show the developer community for this thing called .NET? Um, About a year and a half after that, I went to go work in corporate. to uh work on the visual studio product itself i was the c-sharp product manager the third c-sharp product manager when c-sharp was you know one percent to three percent uh uh and now i don't know it's probably top five languages um uh depending on what what measure you use for it uh but at the time almost nobody was using it so we tried to do everything to get Inter- folks, internal and uh, external to, you know, use c as kind of the, the language for .NET. And as one of the big things we did was build a new product. So Visual Studio was always for like professional developers. And uh, uh, I ended up uh, leading a team called for Visual Studio Express. And Express was not for the professional developer, right? It was for if you're a student, uh, if you are uh, a hobbyist or somebody just building your own website, you don't wanna necessarily pay hundreds of dollars for a tool. And uh, the other key thing we wanted to do is make it free, make it available for the web, because the old product was like four gigabytes, right? We, uh, the first version that shipped were 50 megabytes and 20 of that was the framework. So we had to get a massive tool uh, into a really small um, uh, 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 download size. So otherwise people just would you know, uh, not do it. And at that time even download uh, speed for 50 megs was, was still a lot, um, and this is a, the very first version shipped in 2005. But we had, probably had our first demo version like 2003, 2004, and uh, you know, and there was a huge internal battle because Microsoft, even back to Bill Gates, had this letter, to, open letter to hobbyists when BASIC came out, saying you'll kill the software industry if you make this free, because uh, people were basically pirating BASIC. So uh there was uh and th- there's a whole uh Visual Studio documentary that goes into this actually from interviews with a number of people like Anders Heilsberg, who uh was the C sharp creator and also um now TypeScript, uh uh, uh yeah. JavaScript um with OO concepts. Um uh but you know we shipped it and it, that included a number of products. One of them was Visual Web Developer Express, which was how do we make it really easy for people building uh, web apps and some of those were client apps, some of those were uh, server apps, and so on. And uh, as part of that, we started a new project called Popfly. Did you ever hear of Popfly before?
0: Popfly—that does sound very familiar.
1: Yeah. So this was, you know, during the Web 2.0 days,
0: uh-huh. and
1: uh, one of the key things we wanted to do was uh, have an interactive way, just using your browser to build apps, mashups, uh, and and web pages. So the idea being like, um, uh, one of our classic examples was uh, a a way to call Flickr APIs uh, with these things called blocks. So Uh the Flickr basically, uh, and building a block was just JavaScript, right? It was, these are the inputs that I can take, which is a search term or a specific uh, um, uh, value, say a tag on Flickr. Uh, and then outputs, which is what you're gonna return to me, which is like the the search results. Mm-hmm. And then you can connect that with other things like a map. So, hey, let me see a real-time view of uh, Flickr plus uh, images on a map, uh, you know, for whatever search term I'm looking for, for uh, artists or graffiti. And then you see this, you know, live interactive map that you can zoom in and zoom out. And you can kind of do this with no code. And it enabled everybody like to have these blocks and that could be like searching, uh, Dig was popular at the time, uh, World of Warcraft, so you could find your player information, photos, stocks, contacts, news, etc. cetera. Um, and that was a, a, a lot, a, a very interesting, just from the, the things we were trying to enable, which is really democratize programming, right? So if you think about kind of the Visual Studio Express tools and this pop fly went from kind of no code to you know, people that actually do want to want to code, uh, and also enable kind of that community uh, of creators to build JavaScript blocks that they could easily just basically drag and drop and connect stuff to. And it kind of is kind of the uh, you know, if you squint, it's the Unix way, which is just build a block that does one thing, but have mm-hmm. it designed so it can be piped from one item right. to another item. Um, you know, in these days, we uh, the uh, one of the closest equivalents is probably IFTT, if this then that. Mm-hmm in terms of being able to take a source and then uh, do that. Um, So that had events and a number of other things, and then ways to visualize that with either JavaScript, HTML, or with uh, Silverlight, which was kind of a big internal push at Microsoft uh, uh, at the time. I think the other thing that was really interesting for JavaScript developers is there's a number of scenarios where we had to get uh, around things and actually call uh, JavaScript uh, through a proxy on the server side, right? Because I don't necessarily have the permissions to be able to send something from my machine to that because uh, uh, everything has to be kind of uh, server-side and some of the permissions that JavaScript has to be able to do those. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had to do that and try and do that in a secure and and kind of compliant way for for people to be able to reuse uh, and filter data, um, uh, which is certainly kind of enabling uh, JavaScript developers. And the other big one was we actually, enabled free hosting of HTML, JavaScript, CSS, images, and XML files, right? Uh-huh. So uh, this was, you know, maybe a, a good example might be like GitHub pages, but also mm-hmm. with kind of Java. So basically everybody got a free place to host their stuff. Um, and then even later we did a, a pufflight like game creator, which was, hey, how do I build uh, using Silverlight and JavaScript? Uh, 2D games but take all the work out of 2D games. So things like animation, collision detections, all of that stuff was built uh, in a component basis. So, you know, I have a health bar and I can tell my health bar to kind of go down and -hmm. and send it information uh, via JavaScript events. Um, uh, So I think that's where I had just kind of a ton of, hey, what can we really do to push the boundaries on interactivity for the Mm -hmm. webs? So, uh, you know, there was a great TechCrunch article on how awesome, you know, PopFly was. And it ended up winning uh, uh, PC Week's top 25 products of the year, um, along with iPhone. And we were like, hey, yay. Um, (laughs) But I think the hard part is what happens, uh, depending on who the management is, uh, people are like, well, I only care about enterprise. And and there's, you know, if you can't show me a way to to monetize this for the enterprise, you know, the product ends up dying. So uh, uh, I ended up changing teams and working on Channel 9, which is kind of Microsoft's place where we do videos and and uh, webcasts and podcasts Mm -hmm. uh, and doing project, uh, uh, a thing called Coding for Fun, which was totally open source projects. And again, at the time was relatively rare at Microsoft, um, uh, totally open source projects that show doing cool things. So you talked about, you know, using uh, uh, hardware earlier. We did things like in 2007, Showing how you can send a Skype chatbot, which is your home, things to like ask if the lights are on or turn lights on and off directly, but do it basically with a with a custom right. uh, uh, chatbot. Or um, one of our other crazy projects was, uh, and this was actually in an episode of Inside West Coast Customs, which is um, uh, the show from the Pit My Ride folks. They actually uh, had us build a MicroStang, which is a Microsoft Mustang. So take, like, a classic 67 Mustang Fastback, Uh add a 2012 uh, body, and then just pimp it out with all the different technology you can imagine. So give you kind of one example, back to uh, JavaScript. It had lights everywhere. So uh, we basically built everything as services. So um, uh, to be able to light those and send those messages through – I think it was using .NET Micro Framework. It might have been an Arduino controller or – it, we basically made a small HTTP endpoint. So then you send JavaScript endpoints. And imagine like an array, if there's 100 lights and you want them all to be blue, then you send you know the color blue. Uh, uh, if you want them all to be red or you basically send a bunch of messages and you can see like a blue stream go through the 100 array. So you could do all kinds of animations.
0: Oh, wow. While
1: d- doing this and, and just be able to send it. And that way we were able to send it via uh, an app or via uh, uh, a phone app as well. Um, other crazy things that that car had was, um, if you've ever seen heads-up displays, we actually uh-huh. had a projection system in front of the steering wheel. So what that allows you to do is basically have a um, uh, uh, Bing maps. So you could actually, as you're looking through the steering wheel, you, you'll you be able to actually see um, uh, uh, points of interest. So it can be like gas stations, and you'll see a point where the gas station is directly through the, the steering wheel, and it says oh, wow. how long. So, yeah. So um, uh, it had connect enabled where you could do like voice and even change if somebody was close to your car, uh, talk through it. Uh, The backseat was another um, uh, HCP client that was, you know, instead of bumper stickers, it was a digital screen. So it had a filter on it and then you could basically send anything you wanted to it. So either a text message by sending just like a simple string or say, play this video, and then the entire back screen could do this. So, you know, you could say like, hey, my phone number's this, or don't tailgate me, or cop ahead, or, or whatever those things. <laughs> and just kind of reimagining that stuff. And just right. either simple stuff where we were using a fidgets controller that does a real simple on-off. So for the car horn, we turned the car horn off and plugged into the sound system. So uh, instead of, uh, uh, you call it like car horn ringtones. Right, which is like, hey, tell me what, tell me what to play if you want to hear, you know, the Dukes of Hazard or a tugboat uh, right. when you when you uh, ring, uh, press on the horn. So uh, those kind of fun, cool projects that we did. Uh, I mean, another one was like uh, Lego Mindstorms, which had mm-hmm. the ability for uh, building uh, JavaScript clients that could uh, send messages, and this was kind of like Twitch Plays Pokemon. So uh, we did the, kind of this demo and it was using uh, SignalR, which is kind of the socket IO of mm-hmm. the .NET world. You sent a JavaScript messages and then you voted where the, the Lego went. So every three seconds, everybody was voting, should it go up, down, left, right? Um, you know, it's just kind of funny because you see a, a ton of people just sending messages uh, down through through that and then seeing kind of what the most popular one is. And of course, sending it back. So you see in real time, you know, the up thing is being... Uh, or sorry, forward is being um, uh, uh, upvoted by everybody else. While you know, there's a set of people that are having it go right, so it turns off the table right. and, and that sort of stuff, which is always fun for a, a keynote.
0: <laughs> cool.
1: Yeah. So um, uh, after all of that coding for fun stuff, we moved over to uh, um, uh, you know I worked uh, using Docker and Visual Studio tools for developers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and making, you know, basically Docker awesome for uh, uh, Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, and Visual Studio Team System at the time. Uh, and then uh, my manager came back to Microsoft that I'd worked on Channel Line with, and he's like, hey, uh, we need to restart kind of the docs mission. And we, you know, did a number of things there. And I think that's where uh, uh, I just realized how amazing the stack is And Jamstack being JavaScript, APIs, and uh, markup, which is, you know, uh, we started with a tool called DockFX, which is like Jekyll and like Hugo, Mm -hmm. a client-side way to build. um, You start with markdown and it spits out HTML, and you can set custom templates. Those are written in uh, JavaScript and liquid markup uh, for folks who are kind of familiar with that. And um, it just made everything that much easier to be able to do this as opposed to, And I think most developers today start saying, "Hey, I need a a a dynamic website, and I'm going to start with this, um, you know, Node.js or ASP.NET, Ruby." And the reality is, the vast majority of stuff you you really don't need it. Um, In fact, like the number of pages that are being added in a day isn't that many where rather than making a server-side call and, and paying for a server-side call, you can get right. you know, 10x uh, uh, the performance increase by just having it be static HTML.
0: Yeah, I'm actually working on a project to move devchat.tv over to Jamstack.
1: Oh yeah, oh perfect, yes.
0: Yeah. Because so, again, uh, I mean we release, we probably release a dozen or so episodes every week uh, across all of our different shows. But right. it all happens on the same day, <laughs> right? or or it will very soon, so yeah. And then it's just static content, so why not?
1: Yeah, so, and I think that's the area where um, you certainly find um, cargo cult coders who are like, oh yeah, this needs to be, my blog needs to be running Kubernetes, you know? And it's like, okay, that's a bit of an uh, infrastructure overkill, like, you know, really start with static. And uh, to give you an example, we still wanted to do a number of things dynamic, so, uh, one of the hard problems is if you want to use rest apis um, and, and see what rest apis microsoft had they were scattered everywhere so we built one place docs.microsoft.com/rest/api that is an entire catalog right. of all apis there and for things like a, the azure services you can walk up and say hey let me give me all my storage accounts hey you know what let me create a storage account all using javascript you can even log into your account and see the results in real time. So just it makes the experience of developers learning an, an API that much easier. Um, uh, uh, and, uh, we also added the ability to do uh, real-time run codable samples. So if you have uh, code samples, let's say you know it's a bash script to uh, automate something. Uh, you click a button, it actually launches an interactive shell. Um, uh, you log into your account and then all of a sudden you're doing it directly there. So rather than, hey, I need to clone a project, hey, I need to do this, hey, I need to install software, you can do everything directly from the browser. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in terms of, of trends for developers, I think that's a huge trend that we're seeing. So um, a good example being like things like StackBlitz that lets you basically walk up to projects, change them. They even support things like Angular 2 and have some of the client libraries already set up for you or, or repl it as well that gives you kind of that read, execute, print, loop uh, and environment. So, one of the big things that we launched in September of last year was Microsoft Learn. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the idea of like, how do we reimagine web-based learning? Because so much of web-based learning is, uh, you, you know, you're watching, right? How do we, and everybody kind of learns by doing. So, um, uh, one is for things that use Azure, we actually give you free Azure resources. Right. So instead of having to give you a credit card and it's like, I don't, you know, I'm not even sure I'm ready for that commitment here, go play with, you know, Azure services for free. Right. And then the interactive learning uh, uh, environment. Right. So that's uh, what we call a cloud shell that basically gives you a a UNIX shell, as well as a a basic Visual Studio code editor that's open source called Monaco for creating and editing files. So, you know, you can basically write your HTML, JavaScript, your server side files, kind of anything that is supported in Monaco. Uh, It includes client-side compilers, you can install different things, and so on. And that way, rather than you having to download things, or hey, I can't get, uh, you know, for folks who work on Python that have, I have Python 2.7 and and 3.5, or 3.7, and I have no idea why they're not working together, um, which is kind of a a common thing. You now have kind of a set environment where everything's already configured, so you can worry about your code. and I think the other cool thing that we did there was um, the ability to do achievements. So uh, when you're kind of learning, it's like, did I really complete it or not? We have, obviously have things like quizzes, which are just multiple choice. Um, and one of the things we wanted to do, even just with the quizzes, uh, uh, rather than worrying so much about getting it right or wrong, is when you do get it wrong, you'll see why and what the reasons why, because it's more important to learn than to, to be right or wrong. Uh, And Mm -hmm. kind of that philosophy there. And then for uh, the achievements part, we actually, uh, when you do something, we deploy and monitor your app. Like, hey, uh, you only unlock the achievement if you deploy your app correctly. We'll actually monitor, see if you deployed it correctly. And if you did, then you unlock the achievement, which is kind of the, hey, I actually did my homework. And now, uh, you know, somebody has that achievement unlocked, you know, they've actually uh, uh, learned that specific part. Right. That's Yeah, and I think the, the big thing is obviously just, you know when you think about the scale of things like docs, you're talking over 100 million page views or 40 million unique customers a month. And how do you do that at scale? A lot of it really is Jamstack. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Jamstack wasn't perfect for everything. In fact, one of the things we did was build a simple, a really lightweight uh, server side layer to do things like update uh, uh, site templates and do things like A-B testing. So, um, uh, uh, there are other tools that do that, but like the real core of either content or experience, everything, uh, everything there is just part of the Chrome, um, really is kind of this, the only server side part that, that we've had to add so far. Right.
0: Very cool. So, uh, anything in particular you're working on these days that we haven't talked about?
1: Um yeah I mean I think the the uh, on my personal site uh uh on the personal side which is you know everybody has kind of their side hustle <laughs> mm-hmm. um uh, the things that I'm looking at is uh a couple tools using uh one relaunching my blog um uh, uh on my own domain and again using uh the Hugo blog engine right. which is you know awesome it's uh very much like docs. it's it's designed to use markdown um, which makes it really easy, but it also has the capability to do things like um, easily add and include. So, uh, you know, one of the problems with just regular plain old HTML and JavaScript, but things like menu systems, you literally have to copy paste. This does the preprocessor for that. It includes uh, uh, SAS support. Um, and then using that with a couple libraries like GreenSock and Scroll Magic mm-hmm. um, for, you know, the classic uh, uh, animated portfolio. Um, and even some of the stuff where my default reaction might be for jQuery, there's a great repo called you don't need jQuery, um, which is here's how you would normally do in jQuery. And here's how not to, as I'm trying to, you know, learn at least some of the different ways or capabilities for, for not necessarily doing everything in jQuery. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and part of that is, and I don't know if you run a, a Mac. Um, I do. Yeah, so uh, uh, even at Microsoft, a, a number of folks, including myself, run Macs, uh, and we use Parallels for Windows. But one of the challenges with setting up Macs is, you know, the uh, software to install. So I don't know if you use Homebrew or Brew. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, started publishing kind of my uh, my Brew bundle of all the things I installed, and one of the things that I, uh, I'm working on a web project that basically is a JavaScript front end to build, dynamically build a brew file. So, cause people are like, hey, wow, I didn't know I could install Visual Studio, I could install Spotify, um, uh, all the things that you're doing, Office, all the things that you're doing manually, including every CLI tool that you need, that you could build basically a web page that has, hey, I want to install Skype, Slack, Spotify, Visual Studio, and Office,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: click, 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 and uh, Google Chrome, Firefox, and have it kind of spit that out, so that way you can easily run a script. People are able to see it. And uh, nice. it's just another kind of interface for uh, using brew, um, but doing it uh, similar to a website for windows that has kind of its own client tool called nine night uh, that does basically the
0: same thing. So those, those are my side projects, if you will. Nice. Very cool. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Yeah. You, sure. you want to shout out about,
1: uh, you know, that's a, that's a hard one. I uh, let me let me think about that. Um, uh, I guess one of the ones for folks who maybe aren't familiar with the Jamstack stuff is I think it's staticsites.org, which gives you all of the resources you need for building static. Uh, let me see if I got that right. It might be staticgen.com. I think that. Yeah, it's staticgen.com. Sorry about that. Uh uh but basically that gives you the 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 list of all the different uh projects that you can use to help build uh static sites. Um, and uh you know if you're looking to get started, that's that's a great resource to at least see. Um
0: and even some of the stuff around CMS tools as well. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um well I'm gonna throw out another pick uh really sure. stack, and that is Netlify. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: Um, full disclaimer, NetLify is a sponsor.
1: Oh great. Yes. Um uh Sarah Dresner, who just announced today that she is um uh uh well actually I don't know when this is going out, never mind. So uh but uh <laughs> she's uh yeah, just ignore what I said.
0: <laughs> uh it's not going out for at least two weeks.
1: Two weeks, okay. Um uh, I I, think I, can, she,
0: I can get the exact date, but... Uh.
1: Okay, yeah. So if you can put it out a couple uh, weeks later, she is going to uh, uh, work with uh, Phil Hawksworth uh, mm-hmm. to do uh, uh, evangelism for, uh, or sorry, advocacy for uh, Netlify. So, mm-hmm. but I don't think she's uh, disclosed that, which is my bad. Uh, I think she was going to do it in like three weeks. So, but it's just probably just an example of like Netlify is uh, going to have huge growth. And I really think uh, static sites are, are, are taking off.
0: Yeah, we had um, Phil Hawksworth and Divya Sosidaran on on, um, on JavaScript Jabber in January is when that episode went out, and we were talking about um, uh, we were talking about Jamstack. And then um, I, I need to check the date on this, but we just recorded another episode. Looks like it'll come out on May seventh. Which okay. is right around the time that this one will come out, okay. from what I can tell. Um, in, in fact, this this will come out a week after it, I think. Okay, perfect. You're after Dan Shapir and Sean Claybo, and Sean's episode comes out on May seventh. So, yeah. Okay. So you're, you're two weeks after that, so you'll be May twenty-first. So, folks, as you're listening to this, two weeks ago we released <laughs> another episode with Gareth Macumski. Um, and he is, he, he actually on the show talked about going to work for the serverless framework folks. And we talked about how to use serverless with Jamstack. And so that's, that's some interesting stuff. I know that, um, yeah, I know that Netlify has some stuff coming down the pike because they are trying to schedule a time to, uh, demo that with me and I have no idea what it is yet. So yeah, yeah. So, Um, so yeah, so we'll see how that all goes, but yeah. Um, interesting stuff. So if you're, if you're looking for a resource, I I highly, highly recommend that. And yeah, you can check out those other episodes as they, uh, come available. Um, Sweet. Yeah. The Jamstack stuff is really, really great. And as I dug into it, um, just to kind of give people a little bit of perspective, I guess, on, on why I would go with Jamstack because, you know, devchat.tv is a podcasting website, right? And most people are using WordPress for that and I've been using WordPress off and on for several years doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. The, the issue that comes up is that um, I I wound up installing more and more and more plugins, do more and more and more things. Right. Mm-hmm. And Really all I need is, you know, a certain level of certain um, things in order to, you know, make it work. And so um, I found that a lot of those, I could just pull in with a, JavaScript library or a third-party service that has a JavaScript plugin, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it, you know, is just static stuff. And so I just have fields that go on every episode, and um, I'm working on getting them all tagged and everything like that. But yeah, um, the only concern I have with it is that I'm using a system called Eleven DJS, and mm-hmm. um, you know, like a lot of the rest of these, I've used Jekyll. In fact, I'm I'm still not sure why I didn't go with Jekyll because I'm an old Ruby. Hacker. but um, is that my show notes folks will either have to learn markdown or I will have to find a system that will translate it for them in the rich text editor, so.
1: Yeah. So as kind of one example, the Netlify CMS, which is
0: yeah, that's what uh, I'm using.
1: S- site ag- agnostic, actually has a WYSI- option for WYSIWYG that you can basically switch and do kind of the back and forth. So, you know, for yeah. those who don't like it and want to see what it actually output, you can of course just quick uh, you know, preview that. And that's been one of the keys for us too for using Visual Studio Code uh, uh, for Markdown editing. And we're talking, um, uh, just as one example, the Azure repo in GitHub is now the number two repo in terms of growth for users. And one of the reasons for that is because all those pages are editable. Number one, it's Visual Studio Code. Right. Uh, uh, number two is uh, the GitHub repo for a documentation repo. And that's also because we added uh, GitHub issues um, uh, using a, a tool, another free JavaScript that, in fact, the developer of it works on our team, uh, Jeremy Daniel called utterances, which allows you to have use GitHub issues as kind of comments. So instead of using, um, you know, there's, there's third party tools where you add a JavaScript API for uh, uh, chat at the bottom of pages, and there's a number of tools that do this. Uh, utterances just basically uses the same thing, but it, it, the, the back end, if you will, is using a, a GitHub. Oh, nice. GitHub, GitHub issues, so that way you can kind of have conversations, threads, uh, emojis, reactions, and so on. And it's super fast.
0: Yeah. very, very cool. Well, one other thing I'm gonna throw out there is that I will be at Microsoft Build again, doing the same Great. kinds of things that uh, I was doing when I met Dan here. And um, yeah, I know this episode goes out after Build. But hopefully I ran into you there and we got a chance to chat.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. But thanks for coming, Dan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure.
0: And uh, I will see you at Build. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, we'll wrap it up and we'll catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit dot com to learn more.